The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. And then as we continue this sitting, I'll offer you a few questions for your reflection. In reflection, contemplation, and meditation is often done differently than thinking about things in daily life. Maybe hearing the question and seeing what kind of response reverberates inside of you. Maybe repeating the question quietly to yourself and seeing what arises in response without any effort to think about it. Or it means to follow the chain of associations or So the topic today is right livelihood. One perspective on this would be that every person has a means, has a way of taking care of their basic human needs. Food, shelter, clothing, medicine. So for you, what is the means by which you acquire, what's the way in which you acquire the ability to have your basic needs met? How is it that you've, what is it that you've done? What is the source of support that provides you with food, shelter, clothing, livelihood, clothing and maybe medical care. What is that source? And when you consider the source, the means by which you can take care of yourself, are you inspired by that source? Are you neutral about it? Are you dispirited by it? What's your relationship with the source, the means by which you can take care of yourself? How do you feel about it?
in the way that you've acquired the ability to take care of your basic needs, in the way that you've acquired that means, have you become a better person in that process? Has the world become a better place? And finally, the work that you do or the means by which you have the support that sustains you, that work or those means, what are some of the values that are part of that work or those means? What are some of the values and
So good morning everyone and welcome to our Dharma practice day. And um, I don't know if some of you might be new, so let me just briefly say that this is part of a year-long series on the Eightfold Path. And uh, we've now, I guess at the halfway point, we've done four of the Eightfolds and now we're starting the last four. Uh, You're welcome to come for the first time. it shouldn't be a problem, um, but it's part of a series. And uh, the idea in these Dharma practice days is to explore some Dharma topic, practice topic, in a variety of ways. Uh, one of the, uh, but prime, uh, very much so in community with others. Um, practicing in community is a very important part of Buddhist spirituality. And the... Um, Often for people who meditate a lot, there's not a lot of chance for that, sitting silently with people. And so this is one of the places we come together in order to have discussions and do exercise together in order to explore in community and uh, in some deeper way for ourselves um, different topics. And what people find is that sometimes in conversation and exercises together, that sometimes um, there can be much deeper reflection about a topic in a way that's very personally meaningful then it can be if you just listen you know, passively to a Dharma talk or passively to a book. Uh, you might read, it might give you new ideas, it might help you with something, but to actually have to speak your ideas and hear yourself speak, hear other people talk about it, explore it, uh, sometimes people find it helps, uh, uh, helps in many different ways in terms of a person's practice. So that's what we'll do um, today. The topic is uh, the, the fifth step in the Eightfold Path called Right Livelihood, and uh, that's usually how it's translated into English. The word in Pali, the ancient Buddhist language, is Sama, usually translated as right, and Ajiva. And Ajiva means, um, can mean livelihood for sure, maybe, that's, maybe that was really what it meant in the old, wor- old world, but if you look and see in the dictionary definitions of it, uh, it also includes uh, a way of li- a way of living. Uh, jiva means life, and that prefix, the long a, that's a prefix for it, uh, means something. Here in this case, means something like um, towards oneself or for oneself. So the way one lives. Um, and how I think of this is that the previous two steps of the Eightfold Path have to do, and this one has to do with, are called the ethical aspects of the path. And so, so we're looking at the foundation of integrity and ethics. And the first two uh, steps, right speech and right action, uh, focus mostly on, on particular actions we do. So particular acts of speech, particular ways in which we act in the world. Uh, the uh, right livelihood, right l- way of living, has to do with uh, the kind of the sum total of how we live, or the patterns, or the s- lifestyle or the wider impact or effect that um, a pattern of living has on our life and the world around us. And so for many people, one of the most common things that they do, uh, they spend the most amount of time doing, besides sleeping, is uh, is work. And um, and it, uh, you know, know, conventionally it's eight hours a day, five days a week, nowadays, um, or used to be then nowadays, some people around here work a lot more than that, but still, it's a big, par- big part of a people's lives. And so, in terms of what conditions us, what shapes us, the influences it has in our life, 
what we what we do in, what we do in the world in the world the impact we have in the world uh, people can have more impact more it has more imp- uh, around work than anything else um, because of how much time is spent there so um, but other people in, in terms of a way of life sama ajiva has other aspects besides a work uh, it might be translated as occupation uh, because some people are completely occupied in things which are, don't, don't earn income. Uh, some people, um, uh, you know, are the housemaker at home. And so uh, there's, there's plenty of activity, work and stuff, but this is kind of the, the primary activity of their life, and the aggregate, the sum total of it, you know, def- defines their lifestyle, what their life is about in a certain kind of way. And it's an area of their life where it has the most impact in a cumulative way as well. The, uh, some people uh, are retired, and maybe there's no more, you know, actively involved income. But how they got that income? Maybe there's still investments involved. But even what they do uh, in retirement, you know, is kind of their primary way of living. What's the lifestyle people are living? Uh, is part of this. Um, the um, but I think of of uh, uh, sama ajiva as also having to do with uh, not just what we. Um, work we do, the, um, what we produce in order to live, but also what we consume. Um, so um, what, do you, what are the patterns, what are the lifestyle choices, what are the, um, uh, the aggregate effect of the things that we buy and the things that we engage in in our life, even if they're not producing uh, income? So uh, uh, what are the uh, choices in uh, products we buy? What's the choices in how much we buy, what's the choices in how the homes we live in, the kind of homes we live in, what's the effect of, of uh, how, we sp- we, how we spend our free time, the recreational opportunities we live, do, um, how much time do we spend uh, watching TV or, tele- or the computer. Um, you know, the aggregate of the sum total, you're kind of almost like, what's your lifestyle? What's the common patterns of the life that you have? Because um, the the ongoing common patterns have a different effect on us than one-time events. So, um, so because, partly because it creates habit, it creates conditioning for us, and also because the, sum, the aggregate effect can have carry out into the world in a much bigger way. So, I mean, as a small example, like here in the Bay Area, uh, there was a time in the Bay Area when the first automobile showed up here. And I don't know when that was, but there was a time when the first, there was the first automobile. I'm sure they didn't show up all at once. It wasn't like a <laughs> container ship from China that came and brought all these boats, all the ones, you know, 120 years ago, I don't know when, first car showed up. And my guess is there was no, uh, you know, catalytic converger, converter on it, you know, or control on the exhaust pipes. They probably spewed out a lot of smog. And I don't think that that amount of smog probably had much effect on the local environment here. There was, there was no kind of just, there were, you know, the first amount of exhaust from a car probably just disappeared without any real effect on the, on the world. And so there was no, in a sense, ethical impact on that. But what happens when five million people in the Bay Area drive cars? And the sum total effect is one that uh, people, um, uh, affects people's health in a dramatic way. Asthma ra- rates in uh, some of the, the neighborhoods in the Bay Area are quite high. And um, the closer people live, uh, people live to freeways, the higher the asthma rates. 
and the way that the smog from the Bay Area gets pushed into the Central Valley in places like Fresno and Stockton, the asthma rates are quite high because the smog gets trapped there. You know, out of sight, out of mind for us, but it goes someplace. And so, you know, our driving a car contributes to, has an effect on other people's health. You might argue what I contribute is so, so minuscule amount. You know, I, you know I, I'm not responsible because it's just, you know, so teeny, that means nothing. But the sum total, you, you know, everyone has this minuscule, the sum total has an effect. So right, there's right livelihood, uh, uh, I think also includes the patterns, the aggregate patterns of what we produce, what we consume, how we live our life, and how that affects the world around us, and how it affects us internally. So there's kind of an ethical aspect, how it affects the world, partly because ethics affects us. How we live our life and impact the world has a big impact on our own hearts and growth and development. But also in the things we produce and the work we do and what we consume, are we becoming a better person? Or if you don't like that kind of expression, maybe you don't like it, um, maybe it's burdensome to think you have to become a better person, does it help you along the path uh, that, you're, that you're walking? Are you involved in a spiritual path? Are you involved in a Buddhist path? Um, what is it, you know, how does it support your Buddhism, your meditation practice, um, how you work? Uh, what are the values at work? What are the impacts of how you work? What do you do at work? Do you practice mindfulness at work in such a way that when you sit down to meditate, it supports you with meditation? Or do you practice distraction at work in such a way, and agitation at work in such a way that when you come to meditate, you actually, every time you meditate, you're actually more agitated and you're better off meditating on the weekends because of how, what happens for you at work. So there's a whole kind of, because people spend so much time living, having a lifestyle or working, to look at the, the bigger picture of that is the task of, uh, of this, uh, uh, this area that Buddhism calls right livelihood. Does that make some sense? So that's what we'll do today. So if it makes some sense, uh, what I'd like to do with you is, um, is um, I've, I've raised a few questions about right livelihood, part, part of it. I would like to hear from you uh, what questions you think are useful to have or to uh, include in the exploration of right livelihood? What are some of the different questions that come to mind that are interesting, useful, meaningful uh, in this regard? And I thought it'd be just nice to hear. We're not going to have any answers in this section, but I thought it'd be nice to hear just questions, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll come back and do something else. So, so if you can, everybody could use the mic, that would be helpful. And, we have two mics, so we can, we, can be, we can be passing the mic around while one person speaks. So, um, the question could be, how does right livelihood strengthen the bonds between you and the people in your life? Great. So, how does right livelihood strengthen bonds? It's a great question. Please hold it until someone... Yeah, there's two mics, so if you can... With my with my work. So, what's your part? Increasing stress. There's no pronoun to that. So that's that I like, which I like, because <laughs> to what to what degree do I uh, uh, contribute to stress in myself and the people I impact? 
don't know if that's what you meant, but... How does livelihood affect your body? Well, this sort of follows on that. Um, do I have a good balance between um, taking care of my body, my emotions, my uh, social needs, the spirit, of course? Do I have a good balance in my life? As you're looking at the sum total of your life and all of what you do, is there's their balance there. Good question. This may seem sort of vague, but just how at ease generally do you feel about what your work is? So how at ease or comfortable do you feel about your work? You feel good about your work. I feel good about my work and I'm aware that it brings me in contact with a lot of the content is kind of awful. You know, the stories I hear and the stories I write are all awful. And so I, I occasionally wonder if, I really love doing it, but I occasionally wonder if it's doing something to me that might be harmful. So the, the work in, with your work, you encounter stories which are awful, and in your writing, you also encounter, you write stories which are awful, and so what is, even though you enjoy, meaningful for you, because they're so awful, what's the impact on you and other people in ways maybe you don't see? I'm only thinking about me, not oh, the other people. <laughs> <laughs> or your husband. <laughs> um, how much right livelihood satisfies right view? Mm, so how does uh, right livelihood satisfy right view? So right view is the foundation of the Eightfold Path. So how do we bring right view into, uh, into perspective? How do we you know, apply right view and right livelihood? How do we understand right livelihood through the perspective of right view? Thank you. Where's the other mic? Where's the other mic? Yeah. So, okay. I, I'm not sure how to generalize this, but um, the question that comes up for me is working in a place where overall I really feel that the service we offer is a positive one, but there also is an element of, of dishonesty, cheating, and so on, which I encounter regularly. And um, sometimes I, I'm not quite sure what the effect is in being around that or what I how to, how to deal with that yeah. in a way where I don't feel like a policeman all the time. So you think that the, the work, your work is positive overall, but there's an element of it of deceit and lying and things that you don't feel good about. And so how do you hold these two together? What, you don't want to be a policeman. You don't want to be policing other people. Yeah, I work in education. So there, there's 
in a kind of high pressure field, so a lot of people are competitive and cheat to get ahead. <laughs> okay, I, great. How can I practice loving kindness in community at work so that um, I can support uh, the people I work with and and our, our clients uh, to m- help them to um, you know to to feel at peace to to know that they are safe to um, basically help their awakening and um, and happiness in their lives. Mm, great. Up here. So, <clears throat> I love what I am doing. Um, it has been hard to see what people's families' lives, what they have gone through, but lately I am in pain and practicing mindfulness and kindness to others, helping my pain. I learn, I'm trying to learn to cope with my own pain mm. by helping others. Uh-huh. So your work has to do with helping others, which you yeah. love, but in doing that work, there's, you also have pain. Yeah. Your own pain comes to the forefront, and so how do, can you do your work to also cope, deal with your pain? Wow, great question. Thank you. How supported do you feel by the, just the actual personalities you work with? Um, <laughs> to, is that a toxic environment or an environment that you feel comfortable in uh-huh. personally? So the people you work with, in working with them, does, does it make you better person? Do you feel comfortable? Does it help support you? Or do you feel burdened by that? Or, Yeah, good question. The livelihood may have been good, but procrastination has been an issue most of my life. Particularly procrastination when it comes as, a life, as a lifestyle choice. <laughs> well, particularly when it comes to writing, I'm fully participate. I fully participate in meetings, but then the follow-up. Mm, the follow-up. Yeah. yeah okay. If it involves writing and sitting down to concentrate. But I'm aware that for others, procrastination may take other forms. Is what? Procrastination may take other forms for others. Other forms. Yeah, yeah, many different forms. Yeah. So we might also we might have work, for example, occupation we do, but you know, for some it might even be meaningful. But for some reason that we don't follow through, or we engage in it in a way that maybe we don't feel good about. There's many, many, many kind of problematic ways in which people do beneficial, try to do beneficial things, and sometimes anger gets the upper hand, or greed, or or uh, not not being wise in the relationships they have. So you know, so procrastination, not working in useful ways. Seems 
like it's the same people over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, s one of the questions I look at is um, kind of a lifestyle of, of uh, choosing when I work by choosing moment to moment what I'm thinking of and is that my chosen topic of thought so that I'm working when I'm at work and when I'm not at work I am choosing to do other things, think mm. other things, um, basically so that I can have a lighter touch with work mm -hmm. and um, to have a, a more balanced mind. Mm, nice. So in other words, uh, can you be intentional about when you pick up work, when you put it down, so that when, it, when you're at work, you can be really be at work and think about that. But when you leave, you leave it behind and can focus on other aspects of your life. Is that... Um, how to separate the the uh, rewards and the joys of work from ambition and competition, oh. feelings of ambition and competition. Right. So the motivations for work could be mixed, and uh, and so how do you separate out the the healthy motivations, ways of working, from benefits from it, from that which is not so healthy or helpful, like like ambition. Nice. Go ahead. Um, fitting in with how it fits with the body, um, at the end of the day, how does the body feel? Is there a warmth? Is there a, a kind of a good tired? Uh -huh. Is there a good sleep? Um, and does it seem to kind of spread? You know. Yeah, so, at the end of the day, are we less stressed? Are we more relaxed? Are we more stressed? Uh, what What does the What's the uh, repercussions of work beyond the work time. <laughs> well, I'll be the first to mention the environment, I guess. Um, how, can I, how can I be creative in my use of resources so that I'm not wasting and I'm reusing as much as possible. Mm. So the ongoing patterns of use, how do we do it creatively and meaningfully so that without causing harm in the world, environment, great. If you're finding that what you're working at is unsatisfactory in terms of uh, right livelihood, uh, how do you muster the courage to go out and undergo the risk of changing to a different job or, or um, trying to change the work environment that you're in? So if you don't feel good about your work, how do you have the courage to change? It's a great question. How can I be satisfied with my best effort? and um, accept lack of perfection. Lack of profession? Per per perfection. Oh, lack of perfection. So not just at work, but also in how I help support the environment. Mm -hmm. Great. So thank you. So there's more. I, I almost felt like I should call on people who weren't speaking. 
to hear to, because I'm sure that everyone has questions. One of the um, one of the uh, reflections I have about this topic of right livelihood, of the topics we've had so far, and this is the one that uh, I think more can more directly touch places that are sore in people. Um, there's a lot people a lot of people struggle around work and livelihood. Um, uh, not only sometimes with having enough uh, livelihood in order to live live well, um, live securely, and uh, some people can't get jo- the jobs they want. They're in jobs they don't they don't like, but they have a hard time leaving it. Um, it's um, you know it's a whole it's a whole question of work is um, you know you know touches something very deep in people's hearts I think, and so it can be a tender place for people for some people. So I want to acknowledge that and say, I think of the topics we've had so far, this is the, probably the most tender one. The, um, um, so, we'll explore this today. Any comments before we take a break? Yes. I just very much appreciate you mentioning retirement because um, it's a very different kind of challenge. You're not at someone else's beck and call, but uh, what is the form of your life, your days, and uh, and your intentions and how you're how you're going to be in the world at this time? Yeah, yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah, that's a that's a. It's a livelihood in its own right, retirement. A lot of choices, a lot, a lot of impact, impact on ourselves and the world and what we do and how we do it. Okay, so let's take um, about 20 minutes for a break. So let's start again, I guess, about uh, 10.45. And um, so um, enjoy your break and your company and thank you. Okay, we so partly um, influenced by the idea that the whole topic of livelihood is a very personal one for people and uh, maybe a little tender for some people. I thought it might be nice at this point to um, break into the groups of two and have a conversation with another, one other person about a variety of topics having to do with your personal relationship to livelihood. And um, the, the idea of livelihood here is um, maybe more narrowly about what we call a work, um, an occupation that you have, uh, whether sometimes work is, you know, for an income. Sometimes there's work people do, like being a homemaker. That's no, you know, not explicitly for for an income, but you know, this is an activity that occupation someone's involved in. And um, and what, I have a series of questions I would like to ask you to kind of discuss. And the first one is um, what I had in mind was that to each if you each of you take about five minutes in your pair, so each has one, you each have five minutes to talk about the question. Then the other one talks about the question for five minutes. 
And then another five minutes can just be an open discussion, just as whatever seems to be appropriate as a follow-up from having that, to, to having listened to each other. And um, the question is, uh, what did you learn about work from your family of origin? What did you learn about work? What attitudes, what beliefs um, do you have, did you kind of learn about work uh, in the process of growing up before you actually started you know, your first job or something like that? or first occupation. So what were some of the things you learned? What were so it's an exploration of your, kind of your history around this. Um, and it might have been explicit things you learned, you were told, or maybe it was implicit, uh, or maybe it was so interesting you weren't told anything. Or you know, what, were the, what were the lessons you had about the conditioning you had around work, employment, livelihood uh, from uh, growing up? Make sense? So what I'd, what I'd like to ask you to do is to um, each group, can you uh, maybe can, can you time yourself? Um, last time I tried to get people to time themselves, no one had a watch. <laughs> this is why Apple now is coming out with a new watch. <laughs> really, I don't know if there's a reason why, but they're coming out with a watch. People are, you know, otherwise it's going to be a lost art looking at your wristwatch because you know, they're they're rushing out this new kind of digital watch that's connected to your iPhone. So hopefully enough of you have clocks. If not, there's a you know, clock up there, and there's a clock here. And Is that right livelihood? Coming out with the watch? The wristwatch? <laughs> so, um, um, so the idea, so, so if you could partner up with someone and... Um, and and time it yourself. So five minutes each have a chance to talk, decide who's going to be f- talk for the first five minutes. And the job of the second one is basically to listen. Um, I mean, if, if it seems really appropriate to say a little comment or something or ask a little question for clarification, that's fine. But the listener's job is really just to listen, to be a witness to this. And the person who's speaking in this kind of exercise, uh, uh, it's important to keep, I think it's useful to keep this in mind, that the normal way of having a conversation is like you, you're, gonna, you're informing something about yourself, like as if it's important for them to know about your history. Um, in this kind of conversation, they're a witness as you explore this for yourself. It's like you're trying to explore at the topic to understand something new about your relationship to work and the influences of your childhood growing up on it. And so if you find yourself telling a long story about what it was like in your family, and you know that story really well, um, Maybe it'd be more useful to kind of get to the end of the story quickly, rather than, uh, for the sake of the person you're listening, inform them all the things they should know in the background of the story so they can really understand it. So you're not talking for the, purpose, for, the, for the sake of the person listening. You're talking for your own sake to explore something. And the person listening is just a witness for you as you do that. Does that make some sense? So it's a different way of talking. It's a little different skill to, to do this. So um, I don't know if we're an odd or even number here, but uh, perhaps what I suggest is that um, if you don't find someone to partner with, if you walk towards me, then I will find out you'll find someone along the way, and if, or as you come, or I'll help you and take the one last person who's left if there's an odd number, and we'll form one group of three. So okay, so you, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you'll do that. You'll do that for about fifteen minutes. At the end of that, I'll ring a bell, and then I'll offer you the next question. 
for your for your pair to use that too. Okay, so you find someone, please, or walk towards me. And <clears throat> okay, so staying, stay where you are. Perhaps it's nice to just maybe sit quietly, close your eyes, and just breathe. And, and sometimes when we have these kind of conversations, it's nice to take a moment with the eyes closed to just check in with yourself, to feel the impact of the conversation in any kind of way, and with thoughts and feelings. Perhaps taking a deep breath or two and letting go a little bit, be ready for the next question. Okay, open your eyes. So the next question is for you to um, share with your partner one or two of the biggest questions that you have had to address or deal in your life around having to do with livelihood. What was a, uh, what question did you have? What turning point in your life? What decision did you have to make about what to do or how to do it? And, and um, what was it like? What, kind of, what, were, what were some of the questions? What are some of the values, some of the concerns? What were you trying to understand? What were you trying to do? Uh, what went into the, some of the one or two of the biggest decisions you made about uh, what to do in terms of livelihood f- for yourself. Okay, so this time I think what I'd like to do is to suggest that you uh, kind of go back and forth. Um, so what it means that both partners have to be careful that you each talk about the same amount of time. One person doesn't talk for a lot, a long time, but keep, have a little more open conversation. So it kind of flows back and forth or kind of follows kind of a flow of something. And as uh, you share that with each other. And now... Uh, We'll take probably about 10 minutes for this, and I'll, I'll kind of get a sense. If there's a lot of energy, maybe a little bit longer. But um, I'll ring the bell when it's time to stop. Yes? Would you say one more time what the Yeah. So, um, so consider maybe the, uh, for you, what was the biggest one or two decisions you've had to make in your life about work, livelihood, um, about what you were going to do with, in terms of livelihood. Maybe when you're a young person and you're just deciding on a career and what you're going to do or... Um, so what was kind of the biggest, one of the biggest, uh, share, with, share with your partner uh, one or two of the biggest decisions you had to make around work, around livelihood that you've had in life. Maybe the biggest one was when you decided you had to leave a career, profession, because you were in that for a long time. Any, whatever it is, what was the biggest uh, ch- uh, decision or choice point that you came to in your life? And um, it doesn't have to be dramatically big, it's just like for, you know, the biggest for you. And then what were some of the concerns, some of the values, some of the beliefs uh, that informed that decision or were part of that. Some of the desires, some of the, what we're trying to do. Okay? And, uh, you know, part of the idea with these kinds of questions also is um, um, the questions aren't meant, are not meant to be 
specific, exactly specific technical questions that only gets one kind of answer. Um, it's uh, meant a uh, little bit to be, um, you know, a little bit free, so you can find yourself and to discover because it's an ex- exploration yourself. That um, uh, if you don't, you know, if you didn't understand the question exactly how I said it, uh, it might be more useful in another way. <laughs> anyway, so what what happens in you? What comes out of you as you explore it, and how do you understand it? Uh, rather than you know, are, are you going to answer the question to the T? That that's not the point. You got it. So why don't you go ahead now? Thank. But this time, if maybe uh, I would like you to form uh, in a moment uh, groups of um, the two of you go and join another group, so groups of four. And uh, I think there's going to have to be one group of six, the way it is. So maybe rather than just assuming that you're going to be the group of six and then end up with three groups of six, uh, if, you, if, you're, if you're part, you and your partner don't find a group, walk towards the front so that we make sure that happens in the right way. And then um, can we do that in silence? And then I will, and we have one person who's come now, so you can just join a group of, you can join a group, to a group of four, so there's one group of five as well. And, um, and then um, once you're together, sitting around the circle, a group of four, five, or six, then I will give you the, the question. And um, if you're... T- Sometimes if you're a little bit too close, you can hear the other people. And sometimes it's good to be a little bit f- not so close to each other, but it's up to you. So, so the question is mo- mostly framed in, the, in terms of work. But it could be any any work, any occupation, or that that the, the strictest idea of work or doesn't employment doesn't is not relevant for you. Then your your livelihood, what you've engaged in with your life. <clears throat> so, in terms of your work that you've done over your life so far, share with your group how you're a better person from having done it, and it might be that you're a better person because you now you know never to do that again, that career again. <laughs> and that's how you're better, you know. And um, so, you know, or maybe you're better because you're just a little bit more patient with difficult bosses or something. But how, how, are, how, have you, how are you a better person from having engaged in the work you've done so far? And so the idea here would be to go around the circle and each person offers something, not a long story, but offers something that's rel- relatively brief, but not just, you know, one word. Um, but just offer something, just enough, to make it clear. And then let me, then go around the circle, and the next person, next person does the same thing. With the idea that as you keep going around the circle that way, each of you are going to be influenced by what's being heard. From the other, it, 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 it gets you to think about something you hadn't thought about before, a different perspective on it. Um, you get to see yourself in a different light, perhaps. And so you get a chance, by participating this way and being brief, brief enough, that you get a chance to kind of actually answer that question multiple times, going around and around, and that group somehow has a kind of a, a dynamic that supports this exploration for everyone in the group this way. Does that make sense? 
So, um, and I'll ring a bell when it's time to stop. So please have your discussion. If uh, now, uh, except for the group of six, maybe because you can stay as a group, if the other groups could join another group, so that uh, now we have groups of eight, basically. So, um, could you please, and I'll give the assignment. So now in this uh, larger group, <clears throat> I think maybe if you have, maybe it'd be good to, uh, when I stop, when I finish talking, um, first introduce each other yourselves, so just go around and say names, so you know all the names. <clears throat> and now, uh, go, same thing, kind of go around and say something, you know, relatively to the point <clears throat> about, so this, about this following topic. So each of you, <clears throat> because you're here at IMC, at least, have some contact with meditation practice, even if it's just interested in it, some contact with meditation practice, with Buddhism, with a spiritual tradition of some kind, maybe in otherwise besides here. Um, so <clears throat> from your, what you've, what you've learned from meditation, from Buddhist teachings, from maybe some other bu- spiritual tradition you've encountered as an adult, uh, uh, what values, practices, behaviors would you like to have be, be more infused into your occupation, what you occupy yourself with, your livelihood, your lifestyle? What have you learned that uh, from your spiritual tradition that has some bearing on how you want to li- do, practice work differently than you have before you encountered it? Does that make sense, the question? So just to go around and offer something. And uh, the default for right around here would be to say, um, to try to be mindful. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, offer something. And the idea is to offer something to each other. And then as you come around the second or third time, see what something new comes up for you. Some new idea, something reminded something, and see what happens. So you can start. So we'll just take a, <clears throat> a few minutes here before stopping for lunch. And uh, it would be nice. That was a big chunk, all those different conversations. <coughs> and uh, and uh, so it would be nice to hear from some of you uh, what that was like or what different parts of it were like, what, 
what was useful for you, what new reflections did you get? Because I, th- I think my, my assumption is that each pair, each group uh, had a different flavor, different topic, different focus. So it's by sharing a little bit of uh, what, your, what was like for you, we kind of all benefit from the variety of conversations that we happened here this morning. starting with the two and then going to four and then to eight. Um, It just seemed to follow a natural progression for me, kind of eightfold pathy. (laughs) Where where as we've studied the steps of the eightfold path, you know, I'm continually reminding myself, you know, always go back to right view to the wisdom practices at the beginning. So that was like when we were with two and, you know, just really listening very intently to one another in a very um, directed focus. And, and, you know, valuable insights were shared between the two of us and then it opened to four, and it's almost like the view opened up, and and there was more spaciousness. You know, not so much the concentration, but the spaciousness. And then we went to the eight, and it was like really getting to the big picture now. And um, so I found it a very um, nourishing journey. Very. Uh, I mean, I, I feel very happy about that exploration, you know, exploring within oneself and then sharing and, and the whole thing opening up so that you begin to see your whole life as an area of practice. Mm, great. Wonderful. Thank you. Behind you. Well, I, I've been onto this right livelihood thing for years and years and years and think, think I've been doing it, and now I have the most right livelihood I, I could have for who I am at this point in time. But what the conversations revealed to me was how deeply ingrained the childhood experiences and family influences and attitudes, I'm still carrying them with me. And uh, I thought I'd worked all that out, but these conversations showed that um, there are some attitudes I still need to work on to really make uh, the right livelihood fullest experience it can be. Great. Thank you. So I've said some of this um, about this format before, and I I, I just find it um, really um, uh, looking into myself or thinking about uh, reflecting on whatever the topic is um, uh, with one person as a a witness um, uh, gets me thinking about things in a way I've never done it before. Um, and uh, today, I, I 
as I did that, there were a number of events that uh, are that I've always known about, and consciously they not hidden away secretly, but I never made any connection between them, and um, it just all became so clear. I, a very powerful um, uh, uh, feeling about it today. Great, thank you, Arthur. I had some experience of working with people of very different professions before, and some of them drove me totally nuts. And I always felt that, you know, these professional differences is greater than cultural differences or gender differences or whatever. And by listening to people in my group talking about the challenge of their life and make me have more understanding and more compassion. And I'll just realize people who have different work sometimes are living in different world mm. because they'll, you know, the, the specific situations of, or their duty. Great. Well, great insight. That's wonderful. Thank you. Back over here. I just had such a funny experience in our group where I made a connection that seemed so obvious and I hadn't thought of it till right that moment. Um, so I just wanted to share with everybody. I work with a um, work coach and um, the goal of the work with my coach is about how to go from being um, hardworking, over-responsible, fast, highly productive to being more of a centered, calm, kind bodhisattva in my approach at work. And I didn't think of that till the last minute of our conversation, and that just cracked me up. I, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> I just wanted to share that with everyone because it was Great. very humorous. <clears throat> Thank you. When I came here this morning, I didn't think that I would be um, looking at the transition away from my current livelihood toward the possibility of retirement and how much of my identity is tied up in my work and um, the thought of dismantling that identity is both frightening and also very freeing. So um, I very much appreciate the uh, experience. Mm. Mm, thank you. This half of the room has nothing? <laughs> <laughs> the mic over there is kind of lonely. <laughs> Can you bring it down? Oh, is it battery low? Here, we can bring this one over. It probably needs a new battery. Um, the person at the corner 
mentioned about how we proceed from small into a bigger picture. And in my group, these symbols were used, and I thought it's very good. It's, the group have used words like from a prison of the self to a cocoon of a self, moving on into a mirror that is able to receive everything, the beauty and the beast, and also to be equanimous receiving anything. And then it was moved on into a self with like a white sheet of paper, not even with a circle because a circle is confining, but completely open to everything. And this everything includes the seeing, which is the everyday life seeing, and the non-seeing, which is really the unknown of what will come in the now. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you. Any last words before we stop for lunch? Anything, any questions or comments about this so far? I think you have the new mic, it's ready? No. Uh, most of the time, almost all the time, when we come here and do these days like this where we all get to talk with one another, um, I, all, all of the goals that I'm trying to operate here are furthered by these things. Everything I'm, I believe in the, in the uh, faith in it, I think it's the fifth list of something or other. What, whatever you do, you'll get more like that. And when I'm here and listen and talk with all the people that we talk to, I get a little bit more of what I'd like to be. Mm. And uh, it's astonishing and wonderful to be here. Great. We should do it more often. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.